Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Punish Podcast. I am your host for today's episode, David Silbert, and I am thrilled to welcome in some new voices to The Punish Podcast. Um, I'm here with podcast mainstay Amanda Tian, fellow editor, but we also have two new faces for today's episode, and I'm just going to pass it off around the horn if we can go around and just introduce ourselves, our pronouns, and talk about what game we're currently playing. So, Amanda, I'll hand it to you. Like David said, I'm Amanda Tian, uh, pronouns she, her, or they. Um, and right now I'm actually in between games, so this is a perfect podcast for me as I need to start going through my backlog. But I just finished playing Spider-Man 2, which was amazing. Hello. Thrilled to be here. My name is Zach Gulanello. My pronouns are he, him. I just started uh, Mario Wonder, and I'm also pulling from the backlog a little bit, doing some bug fables uh, to get excited for Mario RPG. I have a Thousand Year Door remake coming out, so getting in the spirit. And uh, I'll kick it over to Allison. Hi, I'm Allison McDaniel. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am currently playing Coffee Talk Episode 1, um, and I'm also playing Eastward. So I'm getting hyped for the DLC that's coming out later this year. That's awesome. I'm so excited about you playing both of those. <laughs> I'm excited that you're playing Eastward. I played it for a little bit. Uh, great game. I need to get back to it. Fantastic game. It's fantastic. And I'm, I'm David Silver, pronouns he, him. I just finished Spider-Man 2 and Mario Wonder, 100% of both. And now I'm at a little bit of an impasse. I'm probably going to maybe go ahead and play Alan Wake, but I'm telling myself I need to play Resident Evil 4 first and Dead Space. I have two scary games first from this year that I need to get through. But that, I digress, that actually segues into um, our topic for, for this today's episode, which is all about gaming backlogs. What's a gaming backlog? How do you conquer it? What tips do we have for people who are new to the hobby? How do you even get through the, the ever-growing uh, monstrosity that is the backlog? It's the namesake of our website, The Punish Backlog. Um, it's a real it's a real deal, and I know it's obviously the epitome of a first-world problem, but it is something that is it's fun to talk about, and it's always interesting to see what other people are, are, are talking about and um, you know, gaming within their own private spaces. So we'll be delving into that and a little more uh, after the break. Awesome. So for this episode, we're going to be talking about gaming backlogs and uh, I'm going to be hosting. So I'll only be talking a little bit between the edges, between the spaces, but I, I really want to hand it over to our panelists to really talk uh, just about your own experiences when it comes to the hobby uh, about gaming backlogs. So our first question uh, talking point is how do you define a gaming backlog? Anyone have strong thoughts? I do have a thought, and I, I love that you called us panelists because it makes me feel very official. So this is my official panelist opinion. But I think I often thought until recently that the backlog was like games that you mean to play. But I think what it actually is, is games that you've bought and have not yet played. Like that stack of books that you buy and, and you go, oh, I got to read that. And then you go out to the store and you buy another book. I think my understanding of the backlog is games that you've purchased with the intent to play and then you just have it um so i think that's my definition of a, a backlog but i'm curious if y'all agree i actually agree with amanda so i kind of have like two mental lists like i have games that i want to own and want to play and games that i currently own and want to get to at some point hmm. so i feel like it's just it's really your perspective zach what say you 
Yeah, I think at this point, I, at this point, I mean, hey, the backlog is almost every game in the world. I mean, I'm never going to get to it, and I don't know how to conquer it, but we're going to figure out today, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Some someone can give me some tips. Awesome. Well, uh, Amanda, you brought. Uh, sorry, Allison, you brought up a great point before we started recording, and so maybe this is an, an, a natural follow up to the first question. How how do how do you know, recent developments in, in the gaming landscape, specifically subscription services, things like Game Pass, um, the new expanded PlayStation Plus models where you get kind of uh, si- games that cycle in and out of the service. How does that impact your definition of the backlog if you are subscribed to those kinds of services? So personally, I don't really consider games on any of the subscription services that I own to be part of my backlog. That's kind of, I guess, a third list. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my mind is just made up of lists. Um, So, for example, I just recently purchased Game Pass for the first time on PC. So I don't have a list of everything that I want to get through because it would be kind of overwhelming, to be honest. But for example, right now, like I'm playing Coffee Talk episode one. So the natural progression is going to be to Coffee Talk episode two. Um, So really, once I start to get toward like the end of the game, um, I'm just kind of thinking in the back of my mind, like, what do I want to play next? No, I agree, um, Allison, with that. And I think the subscription services also do this thing, too, where they just introduce you to games that you haven't heard of or that Mm -hmm. you've been thinking about for a while. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, like that did come out. Oh, man. Or you see something that you've never heard of before and you go, wow, I want that. And I think Zach also really named this thing well, which is that the backlog is becoming every game in the world, especially this year. I mean, it just stacks up. Like I, I finally bought, you know, a a quote unquote current gen. I I'm such a, I'm such a hater, my current gen. It's like been current gen for a while, but I finally bought a PS five, um, a current gen console. And like I bought, you know, star Wars Jedi survivor or or whatever the new one was called. I can't even remember what it was called. I, no, you had it. Yeah, that's it. Is that it? Yeah. So I bought it. It's still in the plastic and it's just been there because I've been playing so many other things and new games just keep coming out. Like I bought a used, you know, $5 copy of Cyberpunk 2077 um, for the PS4, but it's got this free upgrade on the PS5. And now that container is sitting there. Oh, but then The Witcher 3 was supposed to be great. So then I bought that and it's just, and then much less these new games like Spider-Man 2, then I got that. I can just see the physical stacks or the little download queues. I mean, the backlog this year is i mean this year alone is 100 great games it's overwhelming i mean how do you feel about it david well i yeah i mean it's the reason i named the site i remember when like six seven years ago now when i was uh with my my college buddy john at the airport coming back from pax east uh um at the time we were i was floating the idea of a website that i just was like wanting to talk about the games i'm playing and i i was like what about what about Punish Backlog? And of course, he didn't get the reference because he's not like a Metal Gear Solid person. And I don't think many people get the reference specifically, but I'm like, <laughs> it's just the fact that there's always something else, some other, you you feel like you're kind of like treading water here. And then there's like the mons, you know, the the typhoon of, of game releases, especially in a year like 2023, where I feel like I've had the privileges uh, as, you know, an editor for this site, seeing people review a fancy game that they were excited about giving it really high praise, anything from Salty Chronicles, Allison, which you reviewed recently. Amanda, you reviewed um, Cosmic, um, I'm going to butcher the title. Wheel Sisterhood, it's okay, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Blasphemous 2, which Donovan did. Like, there's just so many interesting games that people seem 
really jazzed about. I love Smushy Come Home was kind of a personal favorite of mine. Season a Letter to the Future. All these like really interesting novel, smaller experiences in addition to a bevy of AAA heavy hitters. And um, I mean, to bounce off the the Game Pass thought, that's kind of in the interim while I'm trying to figure out my next big game to play. I'm playing small things like uh, Jusant um on on the service which is don't nod's latest game and it's all about mountaineering and it's very interesting that's not the kind of game that i would have probably rushed to pick up because it's at my fingertips with a subscription service there's just all these other distractions so um there's never really a clear path to 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 getting through the backlog but one question i did want to to ask all of you is how long have you had your backlog would you say and how long currently if you had to put a number, I know it's an impossible question, but how, how either how many games are in the backlog? How many hours do you think are ahead of you? How do you define like the size of, of the backlog? I well, when I heard this question, you know, in prep, I was like, man, I want to say forever. Right. I, the backlog's been forever. But I actually had a moment where I was kind of thinking about it. And for me, it was PS3 era. Mm-hmm. And there was something about yeah. the PS3 where it just felt like the number of games exploded. And not only that. Yeah but you'd buy uncharted for 60 bucks and then in two months it'd be 30 bucks. And then in another two months it'd be 15 bucks. And by the end of the lifespan, I was getting God of war three for like 50 cents. And so that's when I started to build up and pick up and like, Oh, I really want to play all these games I didn't get to. And they're so cheap. They're so accessible. And man, I'm still looking at God of war three on my shelf. I never got to it and I'm embarrassed, but um, that's the thing for me. I'm it's, it's, dozens of games long because i do that thing where not only am i interested in the new releases but you go on the e-shop you go wherever you go to gamestop you can pick up whatever you want and it's basically free now and i'll just grab stuff on sale that i oh am i ever gonna get to that i don't know but i i hope so and and we'll, we'll find out well zach and to that point i was living in pittsburgh before um where i am now and they pittsburgh has a great public library system carnegie libraries and they have video games there and oh neat and they have a lot of new releases that get donated so now now i'm like literally getting them for free i'm like oh i don't even i've i never played the old tony hawk games except when i would go to like friends houses then they had tony hawk pro skater one and two and i'm like sure i'll guess i'm in a tony hawk pro skater one and two now and i'm just you know playing tony and i just keep eating shit and i keep apologizing out loud to tony hawk like oh i'm sorry oh oh, tony i'm sorry like he just keeps falling over and that's a game i had no intention of playing but it was literally free and so then and it's like still installed on my you know my switch so i hear you on that totally and especially once you hit those used bins those used game bins at at gamestop or or wherever reseller it's it's awesome but i would say my backlog if i define it as games i bought but haven't played um i've actually been pretty good about when i buy something i play it until this last year um over the last year i i've been picking up a ton of indie games i know allison wrote this great piece for the site about going through you know the new releases on the switch and and looking at indie games. And I, I really started doing that. And so I, and I want to support them. So I, I bought, like, I think I've got at least seven indie games in the backlog on switch. And just cause the switch has been such a good platform for me lately. And then I also have at least three new releases. I'm going to say I have a conservative 10 of things I bought. Um, and, I, and I'll say that with the caveat of, I don't have any of the subscription services right now. So it's both better and worse <laughs> financially and for the backlog purpose. What about you, Allison? Yeah, so I would say my backlog has been adding up over the course of probably a couple years. 
Um, and this is all switch, by the way. I probably have about 10 to 15 games. Um, the one thing that really gets me is those darn eShop sales. I know. And this has been the year of indies for me, too. So it's like mm, $1.99 for a game that looks fantastic. Like, why not? Can't say no. No, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You can't say no. You don't want to. It feels like yeah. you want to support them. And, and it looks great. Yeah. And when you have gold coins, too, it's like, oh, I don't even have to buy this. <sighs> gold coins. <laughs> Totally forgot about. <laughs> I recently like cashed in gold coins and I realized how much I had. And I was like, oh man, like this is like four more indie games, which was immediately a bad thing to realize. I'm with you. I feel like you get the 60 cents from picking up Mario Wonder. And I'm like, that'll get me like half a game. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, it's, you think it's nothing. And all of a sudden you're playing like your next favorite game. It's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm telling you. A hundred percent. And David was referencing some of the great indie. I I literally forgot that season letter of the future came out this year. Like I can't, I can't believe it. And that's, <laughs> that's a game that I would say is on my emotional backlog to call Allison's list of like, Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. was like a game yeah. I meant to play. Um, because I think too, with the site, you know, it's a great opportunity to yeah. get to review these games. And then um, especially if we're getting them as, as, you know, review codes and, and you want to do those games justice and you want to play them and you want to really take your time with your review. But then you're playing these games that maybe you wouldn't have played otherwise, or you really want to focus on it. And then you're reading what your friends are writing and you're like, man, yeah. that sounds great. I had never even heard of that game until, you know, so-and-so <laughs> wrote a review of it. And now it's my life's passion to suddenly play that game. And it just, yeah, the site, you just end up hearing what everybody else is playing at this massive rate and, and the big games come out and you want to be playing them when everyone's talking about them but then there's also these indie games where they you know they, they kind of spark that in your heart i mean david so if yours is the namesake backlog of the site what's what's your are you comfortable yeah. sharing <laughs> oh i was gonna try i was gonna try to uh, uh usher us to the i was gonna try to, um my backlog is like <laughs> hundreds of games long it's not an exaggeration it really is um because I've collected that debt over um, Sam. Sam's been gaming longer than I have. I mean, Sam's also slightly older than me, but like, uh, you know, I got started with in like the kind of GameCube um, PS2 days. And it's just the stuff always piled up to, to what you're saying, Zach. It is really easy when a game can get discounted, like almost immediately, like a couple months or weeks after release. And then you're finding it in like the bargain bin Black Friday, right? 20 bucks. Assassin's Creed Mirage. I would not be surprised if that game was uh, below $30 by the end of this month on a Black Friday sale, right? That's a great time to pick it up. Uh, I haven't played, I haven't finished any of the other Assassin's Creed games that I own outside of like, you know, the the short ones at the beginning. And so that just, I've accrued that so long. Um, and I also try to buy games when I think that they're going to be kind of short printed. So I'm a big like RPG um, player. And so when I think that... Um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, right? I have to, I'm like, I have to have Xenoblade one, two, and three. I have not completed any of them. And it's just like a thing where I'm like, I need to have them just in, just in case Nintendo's like, yeah, we're not going to like print anymore. And then, but I think it's getting better nowadays where you're just seeing remasters and remakes of games. So there's really no point in like buying and holding a collection of games. Um, I guess you could make an argument in terms of, um, eShop and like digital games and the, and not being able to pr like game preservation. That's obviously a, a whole other can of worms, but 
I am, I try, and this is kind of maybe to transition us to, to our next question, which is what are the biggest challenges to completing your backlog? I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand and say right up front. I mean, it's time. That's the biggest variable. It's also the fact that I keep buying games that that doesn't help. So I've tried to be better about not doing that. So this year I'm holding, I'm like Alan Wake two, right? Clint wrote an awesome stellar review about that game. Really makes me excited to play it. Seems like it's going to be a front runner or, or on people's shortlist for game of the year. Um, but I I'm trying to adopt a strict two one in two out approach. So it's like, okay, if I want to play Alan Wake, I got to beat Resident Evil four and dead space. Uh, you know, and it's got to be maybe maybe thematic or if I want to play, I don't know if if Xenoblade Chronicles four comes out, maybe I should play the first three, you know, like like easy, like reasonable, reasonable uh, strategies. But I want to kick the question back over to 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 y'all. What what are the biggest challenges that you face when when sorting through the backlog? Well, I have something that <laughs> I, I can I know David well enough that I can call him out on this. I think one of your biggest challenges too is that you want to complete them. Yeah. You know, and you and you like you define that completing as I want to roll credits. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I really admire that. And and I'll speak into the space for Sam Martinelli, one of our other editors here at the Punish Backlog. And if you've listened to our other two episodes, you you know his voice. Um, but he has this very pr- pragmatic approach to finishing games. And he has this, in one of his pieces, it's it's really thoughtful. I think it's one of his Punish Notes essays. He talks about, for, for him, a game is over when it ceases to be something enjoyable, when it ceases to be something that he wants to go into and experience. And he goes, I've I finished it. You know, I played enough of it that it meant something to me, that I resonated with it, and I, I experienced it, and it's okay. I think it's actually his piece about Elden Ring, is that he just accepted, he's like, I'm never going to quote unquote finish Elden Ring, and that's okay. Um, but I think that yep. with David, though, you want to finish them. And I remember every now and then I'll try to be like, it's okay, David, you don't have to finish it. Amanda, I'm on the other side. I'm, I'm even farther. I don't like for me, bare minimum. And I, this is just me. This is not me making any kind of like, you know, broad comments on, on gaming at large, but I need to roll credits for sure to, to feel like I beat a game, but also I, I like to complete them like hundred percent them when possible. So a game like Spider-Man, if it's like a 20 hour, 25 hour open world game where all the trophies are, are pretty, you know, that's something that I'll naturally like hundred percent. Cause it's like a couple extra hours of my time. Wonder, same thing. If it's like Red Dead Redemption 2, nah, like I'm not getting like Rockstar doesn't make it easy, those achievements. And so I I I think I have a, a fine line between when I'm like, I just need to beat the game and then that's cool. But I always like to do like a, I like to do a lot of the side quests like that's just my <laughs> you know me, Zach, you know me. I'm the details guy like <laughs> that's that's what I do. I'm with you. Hey, I. I'm with you 100%. And that's why when you're talking about barriers, that's one of them. Because I picked up the the Ori games, right? It's Blind Forest, Will of the Wisp, I think. So I picked up both because they were both on sale. And I was like, oh, I heard great things. I'm going to just grab both of them. There's no way I don't love them. Well, turns out I'm halfway through the first level of the first one. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not really feeling it. Like, maybe I'll set this aside, get back to it. But I'm with you. I can't just like kind of punt it right yeah. and, and say it's not in the backlog anymore it's still there it's still sitting there it's looking me in the face when i boot up the switch and it's like you're gonna come back and i don't know so that's one of my barriers i i feel like it's still there and we talk about like digital games versus you know getting the physical copy i can't just trade that thing in you know i want i want to be rid of it right but i can't be so it's sitting in the backlog and you know wonders on top of it mario rpg is going to be on top of it i'm going to shovel more uh, on top of it. And, uh, 
We'll see when I get back, but I got a few games like that. My friend tried to get me into Undertale recently, and he was so devastated. I'm going to give him a little shout out here and make him listen. And uh, apologies that I didn't love it the way that he thought I was going to love it. So that's sitting there. I'm halfway through. It's in the backlog. What am I going to do about it? I don't know. So that's a barrier and uh, and time, like you said. My, my wife and I just had a baby. That's going to be a big one. Uh, I guess it's a, a fair trade-off, but um, <laughs> makes it a little tricky when uh, when you know she's not so concerned about me beating that level of Mario Wonder that I'm stuck on. You know, she's she's a little more concerned about nap time. Fair ask. That's a fair ask. <laughs> well, and I I'll just a quick response, and then I want to make sure that Allison gets to weigh in on this too. But Zach, I agree. Like my the what I wrote on my prep notes was <laughs> the question of what are the biggest challenges completing your backlog, and I wrote other games I like better. LOL, which is just like mm-hmm. when I don't when I don't connect with it, I'm just like yeah, I got other stuff I want to play. Um, Clint also wrote this wonderful review of Dave the Diver and I thought wow that totally looks up my alley it's like kind of got this like funny humor like adventure a little cozy energy you're like making catching fish for sushi but then I told David I was like oh yeah I'm really into biodiversity and like and especially ocean um biodiversity and I'm like wow amazingly hunting down rare fish didn't make me feel good <laughs> <laughs> and but it's a game that I'm like it's cool right. I'm like I was happy to spend $20 on it I, I love that they did it but I'm just like I don't know if I love this as much as I want to love it and then Spider-Man 2 comes out and you're like oh okay um but yeah what about you Allison well and I think one of the problems is sometimes you set down a game for a while and then if you want to come back to it you forget what you were doing impossible oh, yeah impossible 100 yeah. so I think that's a huge challenge and then I mean, depending on how far you you were in, you don't always want to restart. Like, for example, I started Breath of the Wild back in, I think, May. And I'm probably halfway through the story. And I don't know how that's going to be for me to go back in. That's going to be such a challenge. And, And I think for somebody like me, who's not the most talented gamer, too, I think some of the things that make it harder for me to get through all the games that I own is that it's too hard. It's just simply too hard for me. Like I can't, I can't always 100%. I can't always get through a certain level. Um, even sometimes guides just aren't enough. Uh, if you don't have the skill to get through a certain part of a game. Oh, I feel that I've got this rule where if I'm stuck on like a hard boss and I really want to quit and I'm ready to be done, you just got to get through that boss. Cause you know, you're not going to turn it on again to just play that same loop and you're just going to be dying over and over. It's just like such a barrier. So I, I, I make a rule with myself. I'm going to beat this and then I'm going to quit. Like I got to power through. Otherwise, I'm never going back. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I think this does bring up a, an interesting like point with um, I think of Mario Wonder, which I know you both have, have played at least, um, you know, some portion of so far. And um, I think about the fact that I Sam and I both went and like we wanted all the smoke. We like went 100 percent of it. But then my partner, Alyssa, to shout her out, um, she's playing it now. and and i love the fact that some games allow for that kind of hey like you like you can see the the rating of how difficult the level is before you tackle it and you don't like the real hard levels or for like if you want the smoke you can go find the secret world and find the secret levels but there's no obligation that you need to and i do respect like game developers who help kind of make a more inclusive space with the game design so it's like you like don't make the hardest parts of the game unless you're like a souls game. And that, again, that's a totally different art, you know, discussion, but like, I love games that let you kind of choose your path. Same thing with like Spider-Man in, in terms of just like, I just want to experience a story. 
this is something I need to be better about is like, I need to be better about playing through a game and just being like, I don't need to do all the tedious fetch questy kind of stuff. I appreciate that uh, that we're talking to you about game difficulty because I loved Control when it came out. I thought it was just so, mm -hmm. the gameplay, incredible. Like you get to play this yeah. floating woman in a suit who's like also got a gun and you're like yeah. going through bureaucracy and this gorgeous architecture and the music is so spooky. I thought it was so cool. And like the acting, the music mm -hmm. was amazing. And, but that game was hard and it did not have a difficulty setting. And it was really frustrating because yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm a good enough gamer. And like, I, I was so into it that I just kept, I was just very dogged about it. And I, I beat the game um, and I, I enjoyed it, but it was really hard. And then, you know, months passed and then the DLC came out and I was like, that's right. I love that game. I want to support them. So I bought the DLC. I booted it back up and I had no idea how to play. And I just immediately kept dying over and over again. And it was frustrating to be in that space where they didn't have the story option or the, the like, just make it easier to play, you know? And I'm like, I respect why games don't, I, from a design perspective, everyone's entitled to whatever they want to do for the, you know, the vision they're creating, but it makes it really hard to go back into that backlog, especially when it is hard and, and to pick up the, you know, your fingers can't remember every single button map or like, you know, rhythm of every game. And also if I don't like a game, I think of, this is strong words, but Shovel Knight's a great example. This is a question that I'd love to field to, to all of y'all just to add one to the mix is like, Zach, I liked what you said about games that you thought you're going to like and, and Amanda too, right? A game that you thought you were going to like, you get and you're like, okay, maybe it's not doing it for me, right? It sounds like Ori. It sounds like Dave the Diver. For me, I really enjoyed the original Shovel Knight, but then they added a bunch of side campaigns and I'm like, well, technically that's like three or four other games now added to the backlog for me. I didn't pay additional m money for that. So I guess it's not, it's kind of table. Like I don't really need to play it. But I feel that obligation to like, oh, that's so I'm going to go back and play all those other um, those expansions. And I'm like, but is it is it something I'm rushing to do? Do I need to? That's like a challenge that I'm I'm maybe challenging myself to be like, OK, what, what do I really want to play in in 2024, for instance? Right. So I guess my this is to segue into the next question. But how, how do you prioritize what to play? Like what strategies have worked? What strategies don't like? How do you just like be like, all right, here's how I'm going to tackle this thing. I think for me, a strategy that has worked really well um, is some kind of external incentive. So on the site, um, we've been doing a thing where we do a summer group backlog challenge. Um, and so we pick a game, we all play it. Um, and then we've also been trying to play games individually. So last year, I picked Hollow Knight as my personal challenge. And I'm really bad at platformers like that, like talk about Zach. I played Ori Will of the Wisps and dropped it within like an hour because I, so, <laughs> I was not happening for me. And Hollow Knight brutal but i was like i told these people i was gonna play it and like they're rooting for me and like i'm gonna try so i think that really helped i think similarly uh signalist or signalist that came out last year that was a game we all picked for this year and i'm not into spooky games or like isometric style zombie shooters so i think having an accountability buddy um or some something external um or knowing love that, that i want to write about something love that and then i think also thinking about one of the reasons I like playing games is that I get to talk with people. Um, and so if it's a game that's hot right now, I think there's something really special about, like I knew that David and Sam were both playing Spider-Man 2. And I was like, oh great, I wanna play it while they're still talking about it. Or similarly last year, Sam kept talking about immortality. And yeah. I'm like, what is this game? Like I had never even heard <laughs> of this weird ass game. And then I played it and I was like, damn, I'm so excited to get to talk. Um, and I think one of the strategies that has been unhelpful 
is buying stuff just because it's there. I mean, I still do it, but like, when I'm like, oh, it's $2, I'll just pick it up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, download, you know? So I think, I don't know, it's hard trying to prioritize it. I don't know if y'all have any better ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, Amanda. Having an accountability buddy is super helpful. Like, I did that earlier this year. Um, I, I had set down Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope. And then I had a friend who picked it up over the summer um, during Prime Day. And because I had somebody to talk to about it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick it up again. And I'm going to try to beat you. And I did. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about you, Zach. I'm looking forward to more of that with this group. I'm I'm excited. I mean, I've got people. I mean, David, you said you, you're 100% in wonder. So I'm like, well, I got to get there too. I mean, and I I'm, I like what you said about the, uh, you know, one in, two out or whatever it was, because I feel that way for sure. I've got a list where I'm like, again, I'm halfway through this, halfway through that. Just finish those and you can reward yourself with the new thing coming out. Um, but I, I definitely am still struggling. That's why we're here. We're, we're in the support group, right? <laughs> uh, if I had a good strategy, I, you know, I wouldn't be here. But I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm floating through right now with uh, Pikmin 4 even. Like I kind of set that aside and my wife's been picking that up. So we're, we're just we're powering through. And uh, I think the thing for me is you just got to kind of to get to a point where, again, you either accept that you're, you're done which is a struggle because I, I don't want to give up. Um, but if you can make those credits roll, that's that's what it's all about. That, that's really the, the best feeling. <laughs> yep. The, the only thing I'll, I'll add a couple stray thoughts. Um, there are a lot of tools that I use to try to manage. It's always unsuc- unsuccessfully uh, for the most part, but I, I love how long to beat. So that way I can at least plan out, you know, for the people who really want the details of like, how long is this going to take me? You want to like really budget the time, especially when you're, you know, in, in the workforce and you're, 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 you're already have a busy week and, or you have a, you have a baby and you're, you're doing a higher education school, whatever. Um, how long to be, it's a great tool to just be like, okay, I can plan. I like to kind of plan out a bigger game and then maybe like a smaller game as a palate cleanser. So I love going through my backlog and being like, okay, oh, that game's five, uh, you know, two hours or five hours, you know, something like, um, I love super giants games like pyre. That's something that's on the backlog. I need to go back. I'm sure that game's like within 10 to 12 hours. Like that's, that's a do I know Amanda, you're doing the, the prey emoji. Um, I, I love kind of taking a look, seeing where I can, um, chip away. And also I think leveraging the, like the zeitgeist, I think there's, um, sometimes an urge to play games as they come out. And I understand that can be difficult for some people because maybe you just don't have the 70, 70 bones to, to, to put into a game at that, you know, right when it releases, especially when Zach, as you said, they probably will be discounted a month or two from, from then, but it's, it's compelling. You want to be talking about it when everyone's talking about it over social media. But the, the, I guess the plus side of that is you can also use that as a tool to work through the backlog. So if you didn't play Spider-Man one, Maybe when, maybe when people are playing Spider-Man two, it's a great opportunity to be like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to beat Spider-Man one for my backlog ahead of time or when people are talking about Spider-Man two or if I don't know, um, Hollow Knight Silk Song, right? If slash when it ever comes out, then it's like, all right, I'm going to play through some Metroidvanias um, as I wait for it. Right. Just finding little ways, like little story arcs to to frame your backlog and and create, um, you know, a through line. Yeah. Amanda. 
Yeah, um, I think some of that too is the the personal zeitgeist is is sort of my response to is that I think whenever I'm excited to play a game, then that's the right time to play it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I finally decided I was like, I'm really ready to give The Witcher 3 another shot. Sam had been telling me, talking my ear off about Witcher 3 for years, and I kept trying it, or I tried it when it first came out, and it just didn't vibe with me, but I got the PS5, and I knew it had gotten that gameplay upgrade and graphics upgrade, and I was just having a hard time this summer, and I was like, you know what? I would love a game that I know I can sink hundreds of hours into. That was, um, <laughs> I think it was just this amazing game for me in that moment. I started playing The Witcher 3, a game that came out years and years ago, in the middle of 2023, a banner release of games. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, deciding to pick that game while all these new games are coming out, but it's what spoke to me in that moment. And what's nice is that I think a lot of these great games that are on our backlog, people have blogged about it in the past or still love them. And so there are spaces where you can still say, hey, like you can find this great review that somebody wrote seven years ago and be like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt about it. And I think that's sort of the magic of the internet. So I think one of the things that, that my tip for a backlog is, when the game speaks to you, then that's the right time. And, and that's when you try it. And even if it's not the most convenient or on the schedule or, you know, just, but if, if you're ready, then that's, that's what you go for. And, and I have never been disappointed by following that personal advice for myself. And that goes for books too, or like, uh, I need to go for a walk. You know? <laughs> like, but yeah. Totally. The only other thing I'd say is like, once you're in, I think it's tempting. I, I love, I resonate with what you said, Zach, about you just got to like push through sometimes. I know I, I'm the kind of person who spreads myself too thin. I'll like play one thing and I'll be like, uh, like I do the same thing with Netflix. I'm like juggling three shows right now. I'm like, I'll watch the first episode of everything. Well, then you never finish the damn show. And it's like, you just got to like commit sometimes and, and just go in and, and maybe like watch them all in an afternoon or just like have an extended play session. So I, I, I just know if I, if I want to like dabble in everything, I'll, I'll, I'll never get done with this thing. I'm with you. And I like, Amanda, what you're saying about kind of it's, it's the right moment because sometimes I'll, I'll tell myself, hey, I really do need to get back to something. And maybe this is uh, the the opposite of what I should be doing. But if you're like, yeah, actually, you know what? I just beat Hollow Knight. And this is one for me where I wasn't a big Metroidvania guy. I wouldn't have thought of myself as one. And then I picked up Hollow Knight. I picked up Dread. All of a sudden, I don't really want to go back to whatever it is. I, I, I'm going to go to where I'm actually gravitating and maybe it's not kind of defeating the backlog like you want, but you're picking up a new one and you're actually getting through it because you actually are excited to play that one. So it's like, uh, maybe I'll coin the front log term. Is that, I don't know. That's maybe not right, but, that. uh, but we're getting ahead of what we actually yes. might want in the future. I don't know you can use that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's a freebie. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and you have to remember, first and foremost, that gaming is fun. Like, this yeah, isn't a chore. Exactly. So you really have to go, like, based off your mood. And one thing I try to do is try to remember back to a simpler time before social media, back in, like, the N64 era gaming, that try not to buy into the hype because it will fade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I bought Tears of the Kingdom during all the hype. Oh. And, I mean, it's long gone now. <laughs> It'll probably pick up again during game of the year discussions, but like eh, nobody's really talking about it as much. Could get into Tears of the Kingdom for hours. <laughs> <laughs>
But I think that there, you're saying something there too, Allison, about the the buying the games when they're new. And I think that's something that we're all sort of circling back on is yeah. there is that desire to get it like right now. Like, did I need to buy the Star Wars game right when it came out? No, I probably could have gotten it for $10 if I had just sat there. But I was like, oh no, like I gotta get it, <laughs> you know? And I think, um, and this is something, maybe this will be its own uh, like episode of just worst gaming purchases ever. I'm a Mass Effect diehard. That is my, that is my, my like soul franchise. And uh, yeah, I pre-ordered Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, what? Uh, what? Why? <laughs> that's, that's a game that, like, I think there are merits, but I think everyone in the gaming universe can agree. Not great. Not a great game. Like, <laughs> not not good. And that was so infuriating to be like, why did I spend all that money on that? Like, I could have just waited. Like, just wait till the reviews come out. Like, I wasn't even reviewing games at that point. Like, it's not like I was like, you know, oh, I have to get this on day one. And so I think some of that is is the waiting. Um, and I think some of that is uh, a tip in general is also just like building that backlog um, is trying not to get the games when they first come out. Like, unless it's an indie game where they're like, you're just are so rooting for the developer, like that game's going to go on sale. And there are ways like with subscriptions or libraries. And, and I think Zach, you pointed out too, like it's better for the environment that we're not doing as many of these physical copies. But I do think that there's, a big financial benefit of waiting to get the game used. Like it's a disc, like a physical game that you can resell. I know Sam used to do this thing where he would get the game and then return it within a 30 day window and then like get the new game. And I think a lot of the stories are like stop things like that. But I, yeah, that's something that I, I think about a lot. You, you bring up a good, uh, another, another good segue into another question on my mind, which is how, how did your backlog Right. Whether whether you wanted to buy something to be part of the zeitgeist or you're just like didn't buy into it and you're like, I'm just going to wait and maybe I, you have games in the series that you need to play first. How did it impact your purchasing decisions for 2023? And likewise, how is it impacting given we know that 2023 was a crazy year for games? How is that impacting your your kind of planning or your budget for, for 2024? Well, I'll say I think there's some drop everything games. You know, I mean, Tears of the Kingdom, certainly. I'm not going to be sitting there finishing Ori 2 because I got Tears of the... You know, there's there's some stuff that you got to be ready for. But I think, you know, it's tough too because when you're looking at, you know, things coming out that are are just like... Like we're talking, the zeitgeist and what's most important. um, You know, you want to be first... At least I want to be first for Tears of the Kingdom, stuff like that. That's like the most anticipated game, you know, people are saying of the decade. I don't know. But um, but no, I mean, I'm still deciding, even when we're talking about sales, I'm at the point where I'll wait for the next sale. I'll see it's on sale and I'm like, oh, I really want to pull the trigger. But if it's on sale for two bucks now, it's probably going to be on sale for two bucks around the holidays or the start of the year. Like I am, I'm kind of like we're talking about with getting the one in the one out or, or whatever it is. Uh, that's almost most important to me. Like the purchasing is going to be like Amanda saying, when you're ready for it, I think you kind of know. And uh, maybe it's a little further down the line than you expected it to be, but I'm, I'm getting to be more comfortable with that it, besides the, the tears of the kingdom type of things. Uh, if it's something that can wait a little bit, it can wait a little bit longer than a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Now I haven't, played very many 2023 releases i'll admit i'm still working on quite a few like 2022 2021 releases um it's a safe space allison it's okay (laughs) yeah yeah i'll admit i haven't played that much i've been playing a lot of indies though um from the past maybe five years but 
I think I will be spending 2024 catching up on the 2023 releases and just hoping for sales, but trying to set goals for myself too. Like, Hey, if I finish two games on my backlog now, then I'll buy another game and so on. Mm -hmm. So just trying to be extra conscious and not buying things just because they're on sale. Like Zach said earlier, some things go on sale quite a bit. So just trying to remember like, Hey, Ubisoft games will be half the price in (laughs) six months from now. Like don't buy it first day. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And certain games like on the eShop, they're on sale like once a month. So it's like, I won't pick that up until I'm absolutely ready to play it. Totally. Um, I totally hear you on the indies, Alison. Like this has been last year. One of my big goals for myself was I wanted to play as many new things that came out that year because I wanted to be able to write a game of the year list where I felt like I had played every major release. And that was just like a personal goal for myself. And it meant that I was booking it through stuff. And it it wasn't always fun to play with that personal mantra. And so this year I'm trying to be better of like, what's the game I'm in the mood for? And I've been in in the mood for a lot of indies partially because they've been so good. Um, And I feel, I feel really good when I buy an indie game like I think it's they are working so hard like I just played Mail Time and it is it's just like, like one developer and they, and they have a team of other people who do writing and music but it's just one person and it is it's awesome I'm like you created this beautiful thing and you're so passionate about it and I'm so glad that I have this money to give to you and I think that that's one of the ways that it's been easier for me to stomach it when I, yeah. I don't play indies I even though I bought them like even though I didn't love Dave the Diver I'm like well at least this is a person like but like you said like I, why am I spending you know don't spend 60 bucks on a Ubisoft game that's going to be almost free later you know but yeah. I think that the indie games um somebody's work and I think that trying to work through some of I think also those pressures um this financial mental burden of I bought this so I should play it and I think that can be something that can be really hard to work through and um I think yeah I think this year just buy, just kept buying a lot of games I think for 2024 you know David you were talking earlier about subscription passes I think that's probably something mm. you need to lean into and be comfortable with that um because this year I've just been scooping up indies that I later see are on subscription passes. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad this money went right to them. But maybe for my own wallet, a subscription pass might be, and I know that they get payouts, but you know, that might be, I think my 2024 plan. What about you, David? Do you have a plan? Um, No, I mean, I, I never even really thought about it from the indie perspective. I think that that's a great way. And also like indie games are granted. Indie games used to be like, I would say like real entryway, entry point, from like a price perspective, like $10, $15 the days of like Braid and Castle Crashers and like XBLA. Um, Obviously that's kind of long gone now. I think you're looking at more like 20 to $30 is a sweet spot for indie games, but still like it is like half the price, if not slightly cheaper than buying a full release and you're supporting smaller teams, which is great. As we see in this industry, there's a lot of turnover and churn and layoffs at the AAA level. So anywhere that we can kind of, uh de- de- decentralized is not the, the word but like avoid supporting like the mass consolidation especially when it's like people are being you know forced to work on un- unbearable crunch on some of these triple a games um that's another way to kind of vote with your wallet and 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 maybe not get the biggest game just because it's out um i know nintendo is always a tough one for me just because the games don't depreciate right so it's like if i know i'm gonna want to play a nintendo game I, I have to i'm just like i'm gonna buy it now because I'm not going to save twenty dollars 
if I wait a year, sadly. And you know they're not going to keep um, that game available for you 20 years from now. <laughs> We're going to have to, game preservation will have to be a completely yeah, right, other episode. Too, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, probably will have to be. Um, so I know we're getting on time for the segment. I, uh, we talked a little bit about subscriptions, so I'm going to flash to our, to our last question. And that's for kind of closing thoughts. If someone's just getting in, into the hobby, right? So we're all kind of, we're seasoned here, right? Everyone at the site, like passionate about games, like can talk about their favorite N64 game or GameCube game or whatever. But if someone's just getting into the hobby, what's some kind of parting words that words that you'd share with them? How do you build up the backlog? Right, Zach, you're talking about we can buy that God of War 3 for cheap. How do you build up games without getting to the point where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I I got more than I asked for? What's the sweet spot? Silence. (laughs) I think uh, we'll just silent like, that'd be great. Does anyone have a tip? I wish I did, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think my advice is have the courage to recognize when you don't like a game. I think it's okay to just stop playing it. Mm. Um, I used to feel like I had to read every book that I picked up. And yeah. I remember reading one book that just like really started upsetting me. And I was like, you know what? This isn't school. Like I don't have to write a report on this. Yeah. And if yeah. it's not making me happy, then, and, and like Allison said, this is supposed to be fun, you know? And so it's supposed to be <laughs> a ho- like a joyful hobby. And right. so having the courage to recognize when you don't like it and, and if you're feeling pressured to finish it, I, I think trying to ask yourself, why? Is it because I spent the money then, you know, or is it because like somebody else is playing it, you know, but coming back to it's okay to just not play it. I think that's a good call. I think subscription services are a really great way to go. Like I just picked up PC Game Pass and I mean, my laptop's not a gaming laptop, but it can play quite a bit on there. And I'm just exploring different genres that I like. Like, for example, like I downloaded Hollow Knight. And I'm terrible at it, but I mean, it's just fun to explore. I feel like a kid again, and I don't feel like I have to finish the game or anything because I didn't put any money down into it. Um, So I think that's a really great way too. And then it just kind of relieves some of the pressure as well. Yeah. And I, I I think uh, I agree with a a lot of what Amanda's saying. I think absolutely don't punish yourself, uh, pun intended there. Um, We want to make sure we're having fun and you don't need to, uh, you know, maybe this contradicts what I was saying before about powering through. But I think if you can, if you can, uh, you know, decide that this is enough for me, that's totally fair. And I also think, you know, the more that I buy, the the less I get engaged because it's like you you kind of put it off to the side. And I, I think, you know, take it easy, get one, maybe two, bounce around, but don't just like, oh man, you know, this is everything's on sale. I'm going to town. You know, pace yourself. Take it easy and uh, just enjoy what you you've got going on. Love it. Couldn't say it all better than myself. Um, the only thing I'll add, I'll add one thing, and it's just I said couldn't have said it better myself, and then I'll add one parting thought. <laughs> well, you're the king of the backlog, so you gotta. I'm king of talking, is what I really am. No, I I I'll just add also to double click on like the. Even if you're if you have a, a huge backlog and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't like I don't relate to like someone just getting into the hobby. It's like it is. A, it's a sunk cost, right? Like it's there's no shame in like having games built up, right? It's like it's obviously like a blessing to just have stuff to pull from because you never know when you're going to find your next gem. And hopefully if you're reading something on the site, maybe we are talking about something recent that that you took a chance on or something in our own backlog that you realize that hey I pl- I actually have that I never took the the chance to play it hopefully that gives you a reason we you know we can be your accountability buddies here at the at the punish backlog and um you know 
play along with us. I think it's a bit of a badge of honor as you get into it as a hobby too. It's just like, yeah, I got games I want to play. (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent, excellent point. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for chatting about the backlog and we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Uh, For the next segment of today's episode, we have a hot take. Uh, For those unfamiliar, we routinely uh, offer up hot takes. I mean, we do it on the website, on the Punish Backlog. But here on the Punish Podcast, usually we'll have one of our panelists will offer uh, a take that no one else has seen before. No one else has heard. So this is completely new to us. And then we're just going to react in real time. So for today's episode, Zach, I hear you've, uh, you've got something to share with the group. I do. A lot of pressure here. This is my first, uh, you know, experience with the team. And so we're really just going to try to come in hot. And (laughs) I I tried to make the take as spicy. I rewrote it. I was like, I got to get, you know, the thesis statement perfect. So here it is. Uh, The mere concept of having an open world is ruining the hobby of gaming. Ruining. And I'll tell you why. Here's the three reasons why. Number one, There's just not enough to do. We have completely foregone uh, characters and interaction and story just to have the biggest map. It's not working. It's not great. Number two, you don't need to remember anything anymore to play these games. Everything you ever do is written down in your objective log or whatever it is. You have to have no brain power anymore. You're just connecting the dots. And number three, my goodness. Speaking of connecting the dots, you're just going from point to point. You don't actually have to remember a a place on the map. You don't have to actually go to a person and explore, talk to someone, figure out the next step. It's an exclamation point over somebody's head. It's a point on your mini map. Sometimes it'll tell you you're 50 feet away. It's ruining everything. I'm so sick of just picking the next person to talk to. Oh, go talk to this guy. Well all right, I guess I'm going to go to this exact point. It's terrible. So I want games where you feel like you're actually dropped in. I mean, Hollow Knight is my perfect example. I know Metroidvania is like obviously the the genre where you get this the most, but I want a game where I am just dropped into nowhere and I don't know what to do. You know, even Zelda, this is the worst for me. I'm I'm picking up Tears of the Kingdom. The first thing they tell you is go to these four points on the map. And if you played Breath of the Wild, you already know. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, boom, I got exactly where I need to go. It's a waste of my time. Anyways, that's enough. I'll let, uh, let everyone else hash it out. I'll, I'll say for the, the listener at home, we're, we're on video here so we can see each other. And when Zach started talking, we, we were just like, oh, at least me, I was just open mouth, just like, oh, like we're all just kind of like, wow, that, that is a spicy day. God, I mean, I have thoughts, but I don't know. Allison, David, you go first. Yeah, I'm not huge on open world games, so I do kind of get where you're coming from. Like, I think you really need an incentive to explore. Like, I think at least with Nintendo, what would be cool with Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild is if you had, um, like, what Xbox does with, like, the, is it, like, platinum points or whatever? Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you really need an incentive to explore. So I get where you're coming from. 
Yeah, Zach, the uh, an arrow that I'll add to your quiver here, and what resonated <laughs> about the uh, no, what what really what spoke to me about the uh, the hot take because I did know it in advance as 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 moderator is the idea that it's almost the way that you phrase it to me was open world games are not actually open world games, mm-hmm. right? Like a little bit of like the specifically the last piece about so much of it now is about just like fast traveling to the next, like when, when the world gets big enough that you're not actually exploring the world and you're just like Starfield's an example, right? Bethesda touts, Hey, like you can go to thousands of star systems, you know, thousands of planets within however many number of star systems. But when people started to, you know, deconstruct what that meant, they're like, well, you need to warp, you need to like travel anywhere. You actually can't actually get into your ship and go anywhere because it would take forever to do it. And the game doesn't, isn't built with that in mind. And so at what point does it just become a series of menus, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when the bigger the game gets, ironically, right, it's like the less you actually do in the moment. And I think that does resonate with me. I don't think I disagree with that, Zach, that um, I think there's a fine line. You have a game like Spider-Man where it's just the, you know, Manhattan and maybe an, an extra borough. And that's something where it's like, OK, like there is a, a instant fast travel in that game where you can like click on a map and and you can select the exact part of the map and Spider-Man will will fast travel there. I didn't use it because it was so fun to, to web sling around. But I think the point is that games are very few open world games are that scope. It's just ballooning out of proportion. I agree. I mean, and I think that as Zach, as you were talking, um, and I think, I think maybe when my mouth dropped so much is that this take two of that open world pressure is ruining a lot of games. And I, and I think that there is this big pressure, um, like the Witcher three, which came from my backlog and was playing this summer. Um, and really only finished a couple of weeks ago. That is a quintessential game of that. Like it, it did it really well, right? Like those quests are all like bespoke. They worked really hard. Even their fetch quests are like interesting. But that is a game where you are constantly like icons everywhere. You walk and talk to this guy. It tells you go over there, talk to that guy, go back to the first guy. Now go kill this monster. Now go back to like, and it's just even when you're like doing your Witcher senses of exploring, it's like it even tells you the the area you need to explore. And so it was just. It was constant. And I would sometimes get through this phase and they have big maps, you know, in The Witcher 3, you've got, it's not a total open world, but it's, it, it has these four separate lands where they are essentially open worlds within each one and they're massive. And so I get to a point where I was just getting frustrated of like having to ride the horse around forever. And so I would spend 20 minutes if I was like tired at the end of the night and I would just run around the entire map picking up fast travel points just so I could go back and use them later. Because I was like, I don't want to spend, like, this is not interesting. Like here's, you know, a game that I think did the open world thing well was Red Dead 2, where that was a map that it didn't tell you exactly where every quest was. It told you where the town was. And you're like, oh, I got to go to that town. How do I even get there? And you were able to do a thing where you could set your horse on a path and then you could turn on a cinematic movie option, which was lovely because then it was these beautiful shots and you get up and you could go you know, get a glass of water and you know, go to the bathroom, whatever, and you come back and, and maybe you get attacked on the way, but mostly it, it gave you the space to be figuring things out and to get lost. And I definitely felt that with Hollow Knight. And, and one of the things I actually wrote in my review of Mail Time, which is an open world, but it's like a really small world, but it is an open world, is that there's no map. And it was really confusing because the whole thing is that you're trying to find people to deliver mail to. And I'm like, and I remember being like, what's going on? Where's the map? How is there no map? And it just made me realize how much I've been trained to expect little tiny icons to always tell me where to go. 
Yeah, so I think one of the games that really hit hammered this home for me was uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. And I don't know if y'all got into that, but I was obviously kind of in the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom mood, and it's got a lot of that in it. It's got a really cool open world. You can really go anywhere, do things in any order, uh, which is awesome. And that's what we all want. But there's this kind of mechanic where you go up to these tall towers or the highest point on the map, and you use some special vision to like pick out all your objectives. And so within seconds, you've got icons all over your map, and you can just pick one, and it'll tell you, oh, you're 100 feet away. And so it's just like this complete lack of exploration where it's this promise of you've got this vast you know, map to go to. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll go here. Ping, ping, ping. It's such a, you know, it's a lie, right? It's, it's, it's misleading. It's disappointing. So that's where this take comes from. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to unpack. But yeah, David, what do you, what do you, what say you? Yeah, I, I. I think it's interesting that you you use Tears of the Kingdom as an example, too. I think that's a really interesting point because my immediate I played a little bit of Phoenix Rising and that's on my backlog. Big surprise. Um, (laughs) But I think of games like Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild as kind of the the games that disrupted that idea of the Ubisoft. Right. Ubisoft open world is like its own like genre, for better or worse. Like people have labeled it as such because there are so many icons on the map. Where Breath of the Wild and um, El- Elden Ring specifically, you don't you don't see anything. There's no icons on the map until you maybe go over a fast travel point. And like even like NPCs, they had to like patch in that you can see where certain NPCs are. Otherwise, it's like it's just a map. You can just look at the map, and there's no real guidance on what to do, where to go. And that's kind of intentionally obtuse on the part of From Software. But people love it, and and I think it, it really paid off for that game. But I do think it's interesting with Tears of the Kingdom, when you know what Hyrule is kind kind of about, and and the different regions, it does erode a little bit of the the magic that you had the first time around when exploring Hyrule and Breath of the Wild, because you really didn't know what to expect that first time. And it's funny, it's it's interesting to see how just a little bit more structured to a game once you once that mystery is a little bit out of um, you know removed how much the dynamic changes. Yeah. And I think one thing we're talking about too, it's the icons, it's the open map. And I think there's something also about the quest log functionality, which has become pretty a mainstay in pretty much any game that we play. And I remember I have, I have many things I could say about um, the Nancy Drew mystery game series that were on PC. Um, And I've written some about it, but I could write several essays slash a book about it. But those were games that were a really important part of my growing up. And I used to play with my mom and my sister and we would crowd around a computer and we would play together. And and we would specifically play on hard because when you played on hard, there was no, Nancy like didn't take notes. Like there wasn't a quest log and you couldn't necessarily call other people for help. And what was really fun about that is that then we had our own game journal where we would try to be like, oh, we need to question blah, 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 or we need to investigate this room and like, or follow up on this clue. And that was so fun and so special. And I think that was one of the things that when I did try Elden Ring, I enjoyed it because I was like, what joy of trying to, like, it just asking you to engage in this way. And and so I remember playing Firewatch and printing out a physical map to to keep with me. Um, But yeah, Zach, what are you thinking? Oh, man. Well, that just brings back this awesome memory my uncle i'll never forget it um he when when the first zelda came out he actually went so far as to draw out the map 
on like computer paper and he had it hanging on his wall because everyone is just, you know, one screen and you got the same terrain and you don't know where you're going. And he actually made a map on that. his wall. It's That's awesome. It's one of my favorite stories. And you just don't have that anymore. And I mean, I'm not sure that that's what everybody is, you know, looking for and or has the bandwidth for. And we're talking a lot about like in the backlog, you set something aside, you come back to it, you don't remember. I know we don't want complete darkness. Like we, we want to have some recollection of where we're going, what to do. But man, just things like that, where you really need to kind of be paying attention and, and really be engaged in the game. I uh, just don't have that anymore because it's all right in front of you. And especially I remember playing, I was playing like Nino Cooney, something like that, where it's like, oh, go into the market and find who's like this mysterious figure. That's like, oh, I bet it's that guy with the exclamation point. <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool. All the all the mystery's gone. And I think um, one game that I'm I'm thinking, or I, I mentioned Red Dead Two, is that that was a game where as you were exploring, you would just run into stuff, and it was crazy. Like somebody would be asking you for help, and it turns out they're trying to rob you, or you run into the KKK, like and you can just wreak havoc, or you run into someone who's like trying to rescue someone. Like it was just really special to have these little moments where you feel like you are in a real world that is reacting to you and that you are being a part of. Um, and I think of that, especially I mentioned Mass Effect Andromeda earlier. That was really painful to be honest, as a gamer to see these beautifully designed worlds with absolutely nothing going on. And, and you were required to get in your little car and drive for several minutes, you know, and, and your companions that are in the car with you, like aren't even saying anything. It was just so boring you know and i think that's i think there's this expectation of these open worlds and that you know that this is fun you know and and you know i guess that comes back to what we were saying earlier is when are these games fun and when are they not and i was thinking of what you were saying too zach with the little exclamation mark and even um dave with spider-man 2 i kept having these thoughts of i should turn off my quest marker in spider-man 2 like i i used to live in new york and it's my favorite place in the world and i was like I, I know New York, like, and I know it's not a perfect one-to-one, but there are some areas there's like a general similarity to it. And I was like, it'd be fun to just see if I can just go to where I think this is on my own. And, um, but then I didn't, I forgot. And, <laughs> and I just kept following the icons because <laughs> I made it a little easier, especially when you're trying to hundred percent a game, which I, I was trying to hundred percent Spider-Man. I was like, um, yeah, I want to go find exactly where this thing is. So I'm going to go do it, but maybe that's, part of how games incentivize us to yeah i I was just gonna say maybe it ties into the whole idea of this red backlog to tie it into the theme of this episode it's like if we didn't have such a fixation or some you know the completionists of of the world hey i need to do every little thing in this in this world it'd be easier to to not feel overwhelmed by the scope and scale of a lot of these open world games but it's kind of a put it's kind of a give and take right because if a game is compelling like elden ring or breath of the wild um you do naturally want to do everything but i like the commentary that a game like breath of the wild had with the korok seeds like they're nice distractions if you come across them and there's always like a little bit of like a moment of delight and then if you go and you go out of your way and you collect them all you get not you get literally a a (laughs) piece of doo-doo to be like yeah why why did you go after this what the heck's wrong with you? Go touch grass outside, person. Well, Allison, I'm curious what you think, too, because you had mentioned that you don't always feel like the most talented gamer. Like, And I think open world games are these games that feel like this is for a serious gamer who's going to do all this like all this completionist and, and battle all the guys and do all the hard shit. Like, how do you feel when you, you go into a game and it's this giant open world? 
It's sort of a bit of analysis paralysis. Just kind of like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? What do I do? Now, like in Breath of the Wild, I I do really enjoy exploring and finding the Korok seeds, but I'm not the most observant individual. So sometimes it's hard for me to think about looking under a rock or looking here and there and everywhere. So... Especially a game like Breath of the Wild, like those are games where they're like, we're doing quirky things, like, you know, and trying to ask you as a gamer to experience a game differently. Yeah, I think it takes a level of experience. Oh, I love when you're in Tears of the Kingdom, though, and it's like you're talking to someone in this random part of the map, and they're like, oh, I heard of this like mysterious force. You should go check it out. And then it immediately pulls to your map, and it's like, oh, this little target in this one little corner. And you're like, I guess that solves that. You know, there's just so many things like that. Um, a light spoiler, but you've got to kind of reunite all the members of this this band, right, in, in Tears of the Kingdom to awaken the great fairy fountains. And it was cool because they're telling you like, oh, this person left our band. They ran away. They went to this whole other region. And you're like, oh, that's, that's exciting. I, I got to go investigate, talk to people, figure out where they went. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I guess they're behind this tree. Oh, mystery's uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's where I'm at. Great hot take. Hey, yeah, I was going to say, we might be in agreement, but I do think, oops, sorry, I hit my mic. I do think you'll have plenty of listeners that that relish the the grind of the icons. And to them, I say, hey, hats off to you. But um, yeah, well well said, well articulated, Zach. And uh, thanks for doing this, uh, this episode's hot take. Thank you. Yeah, I love the three-point description. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And uh, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. So I'd love to thank our panelists for being here, uh, Zach and Allison in particular, for being our newbies on on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Amanda, as always, thank you for being on here and, and giving your time as always. Um, but I do want to ask, we talked about it a little bit at the at the start, but what is kind of next for you in the backlog as we kind of outro from the podcast? And uh, is there anything else you want to plug about what's going on in your life? So I know for me, Coffee Talk 2 will be next after I finish Coffee Talk 1. Um, And then I also want to finish the Ace Attorney games that I have on Switch because there's going to be more in 2024. Love them. So I think for right now, that's going to be what I'm going to finish. See, I didn't even know there were going to be more Ace Attorney games. And now you just, ah, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think... um, I was just thinking about the backlog. Um, well, this is also so dumb. This is my future backlog is that I was thinking I really want to play Baldur's Gate 3 before the end of the year because I want to write about it. I think I want to keep it in consideration for my game of the year writing. But if I'm serious for a game I actually bought already, let me let Zach go first and then I'll come back to it. <laughs> uh, I got to finish all kinds of stuff. I think the one that's uh, looking right at me is Death Door. Um, and I broke my rule. I got stuck at a boss and I put it down and I got to go back and, and beat that thing. So, uh, once we, uh, wrap up, maybe Mario wonder that's next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a game that I bought, um, on one of the indie sales was where the water tastes like wine. And I remember thinking about it years ago and thought that seems cool. So now that's on my little switch screen. So maybe, maybe I'll play that. I got to have the right amount of serotonin though. I heard it's kind of dark. So, yeah. 
I yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I reviewed it years ago. For Ooh, a I'm about to Google yeah. it, read your review, and maybe I'll just yeah. let it be. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, I thought I was, I thought I, was right. but uh, no, I mean, support smaller developers. <laughs> go off. Um, yeah, as I said before, playing kind of like Resident Evil and Dead Space, so I can keep them in consideration for Game of the Year. And uh, I think Venba is another oh, one. So I'm good. looking at the, kind of the smaller games, trying to keep those in mind. And um, no sure. Oh, Dave the Diver, by the way, mm-hmm. because that is, I don't want to give away anything, but that is definitely in the running for me. And I want to definitely see it through to the oh, end. Oh, for your so game I of the year? Oh, shit. Render. So then maybe I should finish yeah. it. And, all, and I also want to, you had such a good review of Smushy Come Home. I want to play that too. Oh, Smushy, absolutely. I'll keep plugging that till <sighs> the end of time. Okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll just, <laughs> there's so many games as this segue is also into um our tease for next episode so episode four of the punish podcast we are planning to do a 2023 recap which includes just talking about the the state of 2023 reflecting on it um what really uh, stirred us and moved us during the game and maybe teasing some of our content for our upcoming game of the year list so we're all independently uh, hopefully working on some uh, game of the year list, best of year. So uh, in current, um, you know, typical punish backlog, backlog uh, tradition, we'll be running those through the end of the year, maybe beginning of January. We kind of run on our own, our own time here. <laughs> so, but I invite everyone to look forward to that episode, look forward to our writing as always. And again, one more big thank you to all of you. And um, we'll thank you listeners for listening almost I got to thank the listeners. <laughs> you got to. People. You got to. Keep, yeah. keep the lights on. And the, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for everyone being here. And Zach, congrats on your baby. That's so exciting. Wow. Thank you so much. It was awesome to be here. See y'all next yes, time. Yes, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Happy gaming, everyone. <laughs>